Welcome to the Vets First podcast, a research-based conversation centered around the VA healthcare system, its services, and patients. From Iowa City, Iowa, here's your hosts, Dr. Levi Sowers and Brandon Ray. Welcome back to the Vets First podcast. As always, Brandon is here. Hi, everyone. I'm Levi, and today we have Dr. Randy Carden, uh, who's been a neuro-ophthalmologist at the VA and the University of Iowa for uh, roughly 30 plus years. Uh, He was a guest on season one, episode three. uh, And today he's coming on to talk about uh, diabetic neuropathy and diabetic retinopathy, uh, given this season is focused on visual uh, research. And uh, an interesting factoid about Randy, and it's quite impressive, is that he's been funded by either the NIH, VA, VA or DOD for over 30 years. And uh, welcome to the Vets First Podcast again, Randy. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, uh, Lee Van Brand. It's great to be here and, and uh, to help bridge the understanding of diabetes between veterans and researchers and clinicians. So, Randy, we're having you on today to talk about uh, diabetic retinopathy specifically. We have a veteran uh, named Loretta who uh, spoke to us in pretty candid detail about her, the process of, of becoming visually impaired from, from diabetes. And I think the first question I really want to get at is, why does diabetes affect the retina in the way that it does, uh, especially uncontrolled high blood sugar? That's really a good question. I think the main point is not just about blood sugar. I mean, the high blood sugar and the condition of diabetes itself has different influences on different tissues of the body. You know, the main vital organs such as the heart and the kidneys and the brain, but also sensory organs like the eye. And the reason we're talking about this is not just because the tragedy of untreated diabetes can cause some blindness, but the effects on the eye that can be monitored very carefully and non-invasively tells us how diabetes might be affecting other tissues like the brain and the heart and the kidneys. And so that's one of the reasons the VA has a policy of examining, trying to make sure that veterans have eye exams who have diabetes yearly with photographs of the retina to try to prevent it from getting out of hand and treating it early before it results in blindness. And from the veteran side, we really feel badly for them because they can't feel that it's happening to their vision early on. They can't sense that something's going on in their eyes. So they feel like everything's okay. And these early changes, once they're detected, if we can get the blood sugar under better control and there's ways of treating what's happening in the eye, it can prevent blindness. And so that's the main thing I want to convey. And I'll talk about how it happens, but veterans realize that it's not their fault. They just can't tell early on what's happening, but the eye doctor can because the eye is a window into the brain. And because it's a clear window, we can see the tissues in the back of the eye in very high resolution and detect the earliest, earliest changes that a a patient can even be aware of. So, if I'm a veteran and I get diagnosed with uh, diabetes at some point, is it likely that I would have problems with my vision eventually? Uh, is that something that's 100% will occur, even if I control my blood sugar well or uh, 
How well, we that know that's a good question. We know that very um, strict res- regulation of blood sugar and monitoring that through blood A1C levels, we know that keeping that under very good control greatly reduces the risk of the complications of diabetes. There's no question. The scientific evidence is unequivocal about that. Nobody argues that. And, you know, so it's, but that's easier said than done because it's a change in lifestyle. The veterans have to key into being, you know, obsessive compulsive about it almost and watching what they eat and newer ways of monitoring blood sugar non-invasively make it easier so they don't have to get a stink finger stick, you know, every day. So there are better ways of monitoring this now. But the main point which you've brought up is that very good control of blood sugar greatly reduces the risk of complications and blindness. So does it go to zero? Probably not, but it goes close to zero. And it's also important that other nerves besides the ones in the back of the eye can be affected. The nerves that sense pain and sense touch in your hands and feet, those nerves can be affected. And and many diabetics suffer from peripheral neuropathy where they lose sensation. It's hard to balance themselves. They get sores on the bottom of their feet because of these nerves that are being damaged. In recent studies by Dr. Mark York and myself and others have shown that um, lipids or fatty acids in the body that are also regulated by diabetes have a have an effect on these nerves. And one of the areas of research that's hot right now is taking fish oil capsules that contain the good fatty acids can not only prevent but reverse some of this peripheral neuropathy. So besides the retinopathy, there are other nerves that affect the quality of life of veterans that have to do with sensation and and foot sores and ulcers that are extremely important too. Uh, Getting back to the eye, what happens in the eye that causes diabetic retinopathy and vision loss is some of the early changes is that these tiny little blood vessels that supply oxygen to tissue, they're lined by a single layer of cells or tissue called endothelial cells that lines all blood vessels. And in diabetes, these endothelial cells seem to be damaged by the breakdown products of high blood sugar. And that causes these tiny blood vessels to leak fluid from the blood into the tissue. So it's kind of like the retina is a very highly organized sandwich of different layers of nerves that help you see it transmits it to the brain. And when fluid gets into those layers, it's kind of like a carpet getting water underneath it. It disrupts the ability of the nerves to function. And so this leakage of fluid sometimes is the first thing that happens. And that can be treated by certain injections in the eye that really doesn't hurt, that can stop the leakage or sometimes small focal laser treatment to the blood vessels that are leaking can stop them from leaking. So the first stage is often tiny leakage of fluid. Some people have even found that the high blood sugar can damage the nerves in the retina themselves, but the main feature is this leakiness that it can occur. Then the next thing is when the retina senses not enough oxygen is being delivered, 
there's certain factors that are released to compensate and that causes new blood vessels to sprout and grow. And you think that'd be a good thing because you're growing new blood vessels to supply blood to yeah. these areas that are being deprived. But the new blood vessels aren't normal blood vessels. They're fragile and they often bleed and blood gets into the cavity of the eye that causes a dramatic reduction in, in vision that can cause scarring and tugging on the retina and the retina is lifted off. And this is a severe cause of blindness, why people lose vision completely. And there's complicated surgeries that can be done by specialists called retina surgeons. And often this can save some vision, but sometimes if it's discovered too late, then you know, there's only a limited amount that can be done. And that's the tragedy. So that's the series of events that why it has to be detected early and treated early to get on top of it so that we don't get this tragic loss of vision eventually by detecting it early. And Randy, does the, do you normally, when you see leakage in the eye like this, does it affect both eyes equally or do you sometimes see it more in one than the other? That's a good question too. Um, most of the times it affects both eyes, but sometimes it can affect one eye more than the other. And actually another complication of diabetes can lead to that. So. I mentioned diabetes not only affects small blood vessels, but it can affect large blood vessels like the carotid arteries in the neck that supply blood not only to the eye, to the brain. And if one of those arteries gets very narrowed because of the effect of diabetes with atherosclerosis and decreased blood flow occurs to the eye, that can cause an asymmetric effect on the retina tissue too. So sometimes an asymmetric effect is a warning sign that we have to look at the large blood vessels too, not just the tiny ones in the eye. And is this, do you see uh, diabetic retinopathy with both type one and type two diabetes? So that's a good question. So type one diabetes, some people call that juvenile diabetes. That's the one that's usually discovered earlier in life where there's a definite problem with the production of the insulin in the pancreas that controls blood sugar. Type two, we see later in life, and for reasons that are being studied, obesity and weight gain is a very big risk factor. In that case, insulin is being produced, but the tissues seem to be resistant to the insulin effect. So this end organ resistance to insulin, so that even though insulin is being produced, its effect is being blocked somehow. And that's what causes some similar complications. And that's the type that's more common among veterans and among prevalent among the civilian population too. And that's why veterans doctors are always saying, if you could just lose some weight besides controlling your blood sugar, a lot of these problems will be greatly reduced because weight loss control reverses this insulin resistance often. Interesting. So you, you were talking a little bit about um, lipids, different types of fats. Uh, lipids are fats. And there's good fats and there's bad fats. Um, there's extensive research from many decades on that. You, you talked about how some good fats can help reverse some of the, possibly reverse some of the damages that are caused in the, the peripheral. So like in your hands and your feet and your legs. Um, can the same thing happen with the eye? So uh, that's a very good question too. 
And one of the ways it affects the eye is the same tiny nerves that allow you to sense, you know, pain and vibration and touch in your fingers and hands. The cornea, which is the front part of the eye, like the watch glass cover of the eye, is loaded with these nerves. Matter of fact, the cornea is probably the most sensitive part of the body because the nervous system needs to sense if something's irritating the front surface to make you blink or to tell you something's wrong. And so the same nerves that are affected by diabetes in the hands and the feet affect the corneal nerves too. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. The bad thing is that when those nerves are affected, the surface of the cornea can get irritated and can get roughened, and that can blur vision. Even though the retina is functioning fine, it's like the covering of your eye is now roughened up, and so the image is blurred as it goes through, and that's reversible and treatable. The good part is that those nerves act as a window or as a way of monitoring the other nerves in the body. So we can objectively monitor how well those nerves are working. What do I mean by that? So sodium chloride, which is a salt, comes in a solution in an eye drop that you can put in the eye at a higher concentration. And when you put a drop of that in a normal eye, it's mildly irritating. Someone blinks for about 20 to 30 seconds when the nerves are functioning normally. But when the nerves are not functioning and the sensation is getting reduced, putting the same drop in a diabetic eye, they don't hardly blink afterwards. Mm. And we can monitor that with a low-cost video system and actually quantify how much they're blinking. As, and as this is a way of monitoring how well those nerves are working. And so that's one of the areas of research we're working on. We found in animal models of diabetes, this works beautifully, and we can look at the effect of these good lipids on reversing the, the nerve dysfunction. And oh. now we're studying the same thing in humans. When you say that they don't respond as much, is that because the nerves are um, less sensitive or they're, they're becoming, they just don't respond in a way that would cause a person to blink? So usually they're becoming less sensitive and there are different types of sensory nerves. Some other types of nerves become more sensitive and cause pain. And just like the nerves in the feet and the hands, you can lose sensation, but at the same time, it becomes painful. So it's kind of a dichotomy. You have to understand there's different classes of nerves that have different functions, and they can be affected by diabetes in different ways. What is there any other thing we want to get across to veterans today about diabetic retinopathy? Um, you know, one thing that you told me about uh, just a bit ago is that how they don't notice it changing over time. So I think it's really important for uh, veterans with diabetes to get in, get their vision checked. And and I have something that relates directly to this. My dad had uncontrolled type two diabetes and we didn't know it for a long time. Um, he was having a bunch of problems from it. And finally, uh, you know, a young med student in this little town we were at, he was doing his rotation there. was like, I'm going to check your blood sugar and found that it was like through the roof. Uh, his A1C was like 15 or something. It was really high. And when we got his blood sugar under control, my dad's first thing was like, I can see better. He was having really bad visual problems, but he didn't notice it. Randy, why don't veterans notice or, or individuals at all notice the change in their vision over time uh, when they have diabetic retinopathy? 
why can't they notice that change in vision and in, in loss of vision? Well, part of it is because it's so subtle and gradual. It's often not abrupt. And so it's just like patients are developing mild cataracts almost is that some of the changes are happening so slowly you, before you know it, you know, you can't read road signs, but you don't realize when it was happening because it's just little by little. Now, sometimes large fluctuations in blood sugar can cause a lens in your eye to momentarily swell, to cause big changes in a person's eyeglass correction, even during the day. And those patients notice these wide fluctuations, but often it goes away. So they think, oh, I'm okay. It went away. Yeah. And so you tend to, people deny, you know, they're worried. They don't want anything bad to happen. So they tend to deny if it's getting better again, that nothing happened. And so there's this denial too, that we're all, you know, guilty of with health problems. It's nobody's fault. It's just, we don't want anything to have that happening to us. So we, we of kind of ignore it. So you're saying how these changes are slow and uh, kind of gradual. And when you have uh, this visual acuity slowly dropping, is there a ballpark time period of where you see from like early on stages to uh to like severe vision loss like i know that it sounds like it can uh differ depending on how well blood sugar is regulated but is there like a ballpark time frame where you kind of see this shift so that's a, another very good question we see across all diabetics it's extremely highly variable hmm. I mean, some have rapidly accelerated complications over just a course of a year. Some may occur slowly, gradually over years. And a lot of people are studying the whole genetic aspect is why do some diabetics respond much faster, you know, to the complications than others? And if we could understand that, that might lead to also a trail for new treatments, you know, that what are the metabolic pathways that modulate the rate at which this is happening. And there are lots of new treatments that are coming on board. That's why I want to leave this podcast with some optimism here. Yeah. So it's not only detecting it early, but some veterans say, so what are you going to do about it? You detect it early. There are a lot of new drugs to treat the metabolic condition, not only, you know, in the eye, but other organs, the whole condition of diabetes, they're coming online and are being used effectively. And there are different treatments specifically for, for focusing on the end organ like the eye that are not you know, risky, that have been proven to work. And so there are treatments for this. And so it's a dual responsibility of the veteran to make sure they make their appointments and take this seriously. And for the doctors to inform the veterans about what we can do about it and don't lose hope. There is hope. And thanks to the VA healthcare system and the research funding, there are a lot of great doctors and researchers that are working on this tirelessly and they're making progress. So that's how I want to leave your, your, your listeners with that note. Absolutely. Uh, we've already done this with you once, but we always ask a funny question at the end. I think it's important. So, um, I think this time I'm going to tell the listeners a little bit about Randy. He's an avid golfer and I heard that he's very good at golfing. I would like to know what your favorite golf course is. 
pretty good. Well, some of my patients know that I spend the part of the Iowa winter in Hawaii, uh-huh. the island of Kauai, yeah. which is paradise. And so it's hard to compete with a golf course that's facing the ocean. That And also you can see mountains from some of the course. And just the easiness and laid back culture of the Hawaiian culture, the paradise and beauty. There are nice golf courses in Iowa, but uh, yeah. I would say my favorite golf course is in, in the islands of Hawaii. That's- well, I think I'd rather stare at the ocean than a cornfield. <laughs> um, that's just me. So uh, I want to thank you. I think it's really fascinating. I did not know you have had 33 years of funding. That's really impressive from a research standpoint. Um, a lot of that centered on, on veterans and thank you for that. I think that's really, really, really cool. So well, it's also uh, working with great collaborators like you and mentoring young people and helping make them successful. That's, that's the most uh, fulfilling part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. And I think that, you know, the veteran uh, is a really important aspect to that too. And, and you've done a lot for veterans. Well, I love treating veterans. I, I love understanding and helping them and, and it's very gratifying. And, and the VA has done more for me than I've done for the VA. I think. Thanks Randy. Thanks, Randy. Bye-bye. This concludes today's Vets First podcast. For questions or comments relating to the program, please direct email correspondence to vetsfirstpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.